come with me. We're going on a fantastic cruise. Pick your destination with news tips and reviews. But here is an item you might not have thought of. All of the things under the water. Nature surrounds us with elegant features. You can't go on a cruise and not see the creatures. So let's make some magic. Let's get ecstatic. Instantly classic. Maybe romantic. The wildlife around you. Cinematic on your fantastic cruise. Bon Beanie, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Fantastic Cruising. This one is a special episode because you know what today when it comes out if you're listening today that's october 13th 2019 it just so happens to be somebody's birthday whose birthday is it kimbra who's i don't know whose birthday is it you don't lie well do you (laughs) it's my birthday happy birthday Uh, let me see if i can do the frosty the snowman one happy birthday you know that yeah show? okay i do <laughs> anyway uh when you're listening to this if you are listening to this on sunday or monday then uh we're in where are we going to be saint augustine saint augustine saint augustine florida we'll tell you a little bit about that trip we kind of hinted at it last week and uh i also want to mention that inktober is going on right now fantastic inktober to be specific and there's been a lot of people that are contributing artwork over on the Facebook community, Fantastic Cruising Community, the FCC. Yeah, the FCC over on Facebook. Go check that out. A lot of cool artwork being done. And speaking of October, since there's so many things happening in October, there's like your birthday, there's Inktober, there's your birthday, then there's Halloween, then there's your birthday. Am I doing this right? Yes. Okay. Keep going. So anyway, you can still get your Day of the Dead. Oh, that's another thing that sort of happens at the very end of of October. And uh, we have our Day of the Dead shirts, fantastic cruising shirts, over on Teespring. So look for those links in the show notes, also over on Facebook if you can't find them. You know what you can do? You can shoot me an email at fantasticcruising at gmail.com. Also wanted to say a special thanks for those of you that went over to iTunes and left a review. That is so helpful. iTunes looks at those reviews and that helps them decide how much they want to push this podcast. So that is very, very helpful no matter where you listen to the podcast. iTunes is kind of the one that distributes it to most of the different places. So if you can go over there, if you have iTunes, and leave a star review and also leave leave some words there and let us know if you're enjoying the podcast. We got to know. Are you guys enjoying the podcast? That would be super, super helpful. So, Matt, I think it's time to get into our first main topic. And this week is going to be all about the spa. Spa. Yeah, the spa. So have you ever used the spa or taken advantage of any of the spa services? Isn't that what the sea turtle says in Nemo? Or no, no, wait. That, no, that is what uh, that is what D says from Pair DJ, her turtle noises. Pa. But no S. Spa. Anyway, uh, yes, I have, as a matter of fact, I have done um, a massage. I have also done the thermal suite on two separate occasions. And, uh, And I put a post on the Facebook community this week, and the question was, 
spa or no spa and why? And boy, did we get some communication on that. All kinds of feedback here. How about you? Have you used the spa or any of the amenities of the spa? I have. I got a massage once. Got a, got a massage. Have you ever done the thermal suite? I've not, but I think we're booked on it. We are booked on it. So we'll get into that in a little bit. But let's just go through. I'm going to read some of these responses that people put down for the spa or no spa and why. And uh, I'm not going to read everybody's exact, but I'm just going to kind of give you the feel for it. And then we can kind of discuss that as we go through. First of all, some people like Jeff right here said, usually not too pricey. Yeah, the spa is pretty pricey, especially spa services. I think specifically, I, I feel like people were answering this in two ways. And, and um, one, people were looking at it from the perspective of like getting all the different massages and, and that sort of thing. And then other people were looking at it as the thermal suite. So um, definitely like the massages and stuff can be pricey. Was your massage pretty pricey? Yes, it was extremely pricey. That was a dog sneeze. I don't know if you heard. I don't know if the camera picked that up. Or the, the camera? camera? <laughs> what am I talking about? I don't know if the microphone picked that up, but there was a dog sneeze. So if you didn't hear it, you're like, what are you talking about? But if you did hear it, that's that's what it was. It wasn't us. That's basically what I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, back to the spa. Yeah, uh, the massage is, is, a, is a pretty expensive thing. I know somebody had commented that it was it was uh, like twice as much or something as they got on the beach. Let's let's keep going through here and see what people had to say. We have a few people that have have never been. Um, John said never been, but willing to try anything twice, at least twice. Would you try anything twice? I would try some things twice, but if the first time was like really that bad, I probably wouldn't do it again. Yeah, I mean, there's some things I probably wouldn't try at all, and then there are some things I would try once, and then there are some things I would try. Twice, but I I don't know, John. I don't know if I'd try everything twice. Like, yeah. No, like, no. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's see. We've got Chris here. Chris said, if there are more sea days in the itinerary, I will consider using spa rooms. I've had spa staterooms before and found them to be a nice touch to the vacation. Also, a little hack I have found is to use the showers in the locker rooms as they are bigger and have more amenities. I, too, have found that to be a useful hack, especially if you're staying in a fairly crowded room. You don't have to have the spa package in most ships, probably none of them. You can go down and use the the showers in most cases, and you're going to have a little bit more room to get ready, and you won't be in people's way and stuff of that nature. But, um, but yeah, spa rooms. I haven't stayed in a spa room, but we are booked on a spa room on the horizon next October. And what that does... We're on the horizon? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> really? <laughs> I know it's not on the horizon, but we are going to be on the horizon in, in a year, a little over a year. And, uh, and, and we have a spa room, which means that we paid a little bit extra for that spa room. It gives us access to the thermal suites. It doesn't give us, like, free massages or anything, but it does give us access to, like, the philosophy therapy pool. It's a bubbly hot pool that's bigger than a hot tub. And the um, heated loungers that they have, not all ships have the same amenities. Uh, they have usually some sort of like steam rooms and saunas and all that kind of stuff. And free fitness classes. 
and free fitness classes that I will not be partaking of. Will you? Are you going to do fitness? I might classes? do yoga. I mean, we've been doing Weight Watchers. That's not fitness. I know, but it's to me, it's all the same because it's you know losing weight, eating somewhat healthier. No. Anyway, Paul, speaking of that sort of thing, says you have to detox so you can retox. <laughs> I like the way you think, Paul. Now, Jamie says no spa because dot, dot, dot. Look, Jamie, I I know what you're trying to pull here. I know what kind of spa Jamie likes. Jamie likes the kind of spa that has uh, liquor in it, especially like a good scotch. If If I cruise with Jamie, this is Jamie, by the way, from Sharon at Sea. If Jamie and I cruise together, and it's gonna happen at some point, we're just gonna sit around and drink scotch the whole time. It's gonna be a really expensive cruise. But I heard he's buying. That's that's what he told me in private. I mean, I, he said not to say it in public, so I won't. But anyway, that's what I heard. <laughs> Julie said she loves the massage but hate the sales push. Yes. So if you go on the ship, have you ever gone to the um, to the spa area, like on the first day of the ship when they're doing the little tours? Oh, yeah. What, what was your experience like? Um, they just constantly want you to do stuff and buy stuff and stuff. <laughs> That's very descriptive. They I know. Want you to do stuff and buy stuff and like stuff. Yeah, yeah. But but you're right. That I mean, it's very high pressure. Uh, kind of. Don't you feel guilty because you've just been sitting through all this and you want to buy a treatment and we're giving you this amazing deal that you'll never get again? And it's usually not really that much of a deal. Well, there's that, but it's also after your massage, they're like, all of these awesome oils is what you need and stuff and things. Because you haven't spent enough money on the massage. Exactly. So here, don't you want to buy all this other, all these other things? Otherwise your skin will never be quite right again. Is that what they say? Basically. Yeah. I don't know. They didn't push that too hard on, on, uh, after my massage, but uh, I have heard that from other people that that's a thing that happens. Now, Trixie said that um, my boyfriend and I had massages booked at the same time on the first, uh, oh, on his first and her third cruise. Forgot to mention the sales pitch to him. We walked out. There was another dog sneeze. I hope they're picking up. Otherwise, you're going to think I'm crazy. We walked out of adjoining treatment rooms at the same time. I cracked up because he was carrying a huge, sorry, I had to expand that. L- Elemis. Oh, too huge. Oh, too huge. What is that word? I don't speak. Elemis. Elemis. Is that a thing? I don't know uh, what that means. Shopping bags. Shopping bags. If you know about cruise spas, you know, like Tiffany's, big things come in small packages. <laughs> he had enough Elemis product. He could have turned the main swimming pool into an Elemis <laughs> detox soak for the whole <laughs> ship. That's hilarious. So, in other words, it worked on him, is what it sounds like. <laughs> Maybe that's why they do it, because it works on some. Yeah. Well, then Julie responded, said that her husband came out with some eye cream, said it was only $8, looked at the bill. It was actually $80, but he returned it. So <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny. That's pretty good. So so be careful if you go in there. Um, there, If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is, especially in the spa. Now, Andrew said... That he's never done the spa on a ship. Being a control freak, a massage seems like torture. His wife has on several occasions, and after the first ones, they learned a trick to aggressive sales tactics. When you fill out the form before starting, write no sales at the bottom in big, bold letters. Oh. That's good to know. We should try that on the horizon. Well, we won't. Well, we'll do a, we'll do a spa tour if we want. 
Yeah. I mean, we could. We could do it. I mean, we've got the spa room, but right. we can still do the tour, and they'll do, like, the little massage and stuff, and we can just write no sales on there. I don't know. We'll have to try that out and see if, if that is worthwhile. Andrew said he'll be trying out the thermal suite on MSC Meraviglia next month as part of the status match to their black card. Get you get one free pass to the thermal suite, so that's cool. Andrew, let us know what that is like when you get back, because I know nothing about the spa area on MSC. Pretty interesting. Now, Liz, our good friend Liz, she said she got a massage and it was good at the time, but she woke up really sore the next day. So personally, won't do that. Uh, would do that on land prior to cruising. The sales push is intense, but that's part of their jobs. That's true. Uh, they are not carnival. This is a good point that she makes. They are not carnival or any other cruise line employees. They're actually uh, they're actually a separate company. They're employed and they they just are. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like they're they're. Um, like vendors. Vendors, yes, but there's another word. Anyway, yeah. anyway, they they are there as contracted. a contract. That's what I was looking for. They are contracted, and so what's what's interesting is there was an issue with spa stuff like back in the Cruise Geeks day, and I was looking into it, and that's when I learned that yeah, all these spas on all the big cruise lines. I don't know about MSC, but on Norwegian, on Royal Caribbean, on Carnival, and that means, of course, on Celebrity and Princess and Holland America, it's the same company. Even uh, amongst competing cruise lines, same company. So if you go to Carnival Customer Service, they may not be able to help you out. So, yeah, pretty interesting stuff. Now, what about the soreness? Have, have you had a lot of massages off of the cruise? I've only had one massage ever, and that was the one on the cruise. Oh, me too. <laughs> now, I was not sore after my massage. I think it depends on what type of massage you get. I don't know. But I, I know I was fine. I was a little bit concerned that I would be sore, but I wasn't. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, do you know anything about soreness and massages? And No, I mean, I was a little bit sore, but that's because I did the bamboo one. So they're, like, rubbing a bamboo stick all over you. So... I mean, that hurts a little bit. Yeah. Um, was it Charlie I was cruising with and they were doing that stick thing? Somebody I was cruising with, may, may not have been Charlie, but they had like a, a sore shoulder or something. And they were like, they put that stick on them and they were like, oh, it was like torturous for them. So, you know, let them know too. Let them know if you're going to do the massage thing or you're doing the tour, if you have some tenderness or something. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that, if you like those real deep massages, sometimes it makes you sore afterwards. So that's something to consider before a cruise, maybe instead of on the cruise. Now, Shauna said that she has booked a spa balcony on the Mardi Gras. Hope it's worth it. I do too. Let us know. Shauna, Pamela said she has toured and gotten free mini massages, but it does not appeal to her. Usually due to cost spend, they spend their money more on sightseeing. I totally get that. Like the thought of spending two or three times the price on a massage on the ship that I would on land is not something I'm likely to do. And to be honest with you, based on the fact that I've never had a massage off the ship, I think that says a lot about how much I care about getting a massage. I don't know, but I know some people are really into them. Some people really like them for so them, for so them. So for them, it might be worth it. I don't know. What do you think? I agree. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, JB 
said, no spa for me and the wife. We like to keep our costs down and would rather spend money on shore and ports. That's okay. So I agree with Pamela and I'm on the exact same page as JB, I think, on that. What about you? Are you do you do you think you see yourself spending money on like massages and stuff down the road? Or are you kind of like, eh? Nope. I did it the one time and it was because we got a free certificate thing and then it turned out not to be what we thought it was but that's another story um and i probably won't do it again what do you mean it it turned out to be not what you thought it was well so when it was booked we booked it as like a couple's thing my friend and i and they told us it was one price and then when we got done it was double that they didn't tell us it was one price or that price for one person and that it was going to be an additional for the second, even though it was a couple's thing. Ah, so yeah. So there's another little lesson there. Uh, make sure that you are very clear and they are very clear with the language. So you know, if you are going to buy one of those services, exactly what you're getting and exactly what you're paying for. Because I've heard similar stories to that before as well. Now, uh, Jennifer said she would love to buy the spa passes. However, oh, just spent $936 at the emergency event. Jennifer, I have been there. I have done that. I don't have a t-shirt because I can't afford one. But yeah, we love our pets and, you know, no price is, is too high in most cases for these for these animals, especially if it's something that can really help them. So I totally get it. it it's painful and uh, even more painful when you can't afford that spa pass, I guess. But uh <laughs> Yeah, hope hope all goes well with your puppy. There's a picture here. Is that a wiener dog? What is that? No, it looks like a lab. A lab? That's you. Okay, look, I know cruise creatures, not dogs. I got dogs that, for that's you. Why you're, that's why you're here. She's <laughs> got the dogs under control. So maybe it's a lab. If it's a, look, Jennifer, if it's a wiener dog and I was right, I'm pretty sure I'm wrong. That is absolutely not a wiener okay. dog. <laughs> all right. Now, Anne, and this is Ship Shape with Anne, she said, I've been, I've never been, but I wouldn't mind soaking in the thermal pool. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, and then right after that, uh, Michael, who I have cruised with, that's Charlie's son-in-law, we enjoyed the thermal pool and the steam rooms on the last cruise. Also, the relaxation room is nice. Yes, so this is what I like is the thermal spa. The thermal spas, basically, if you're not familiar it's going to vary from ship to ship, but typically it's going to be an area that most guests cannot go. And there's going to be sometimes the heated loungers. Almost always there's going to be some kind of hot bubbly pool. Philosoph- philosoph- I don't know how to say that. Philosophotherapy. I don't know. You know what I'm talking about? Nope. Philosophotherapy. Philosophotherapy. Anyway, it's a big bubbly hot pool. And then sometimes they have multiple pools that are bubbly and hot. I don't know what they're called, but I like them. They have things in them you can lay on, and they're very comfortable. And then they and they're not just a regular like jacuzzi though. Okay, they're not the same as like the hot tubs that are out in the main area. Sometimes they have different, I think, minerals in the water. I don't know. They have steam rooms. Sometimes different steam rooms, and then they usually have like this relaxation room, which has often got a really nice view. It's quiet. They often have like bottle not bottled water but like a big big tanks of water that's like infused with lemon and lime and oranges and stuff it's it's nice it's a good 
place to get away. And we'll talk a little bit about the price of those in a bit. But let's continue down the list. We got Lauren here. Now, Lauren, at one point in time, Lauren was my boss. I don't know. I think she was gone before you came to the aquarium. Do you know? Yeah, Lauren? I never met her. I've heard about her, but she was gone before I started. Yeah, I Lauren was awesome. I'm sorry that you missed her because she was an uh, she was an amazing boss, and I know she's doing cool things now too. Anyway, she said I've decided no spa at least on Carnival. They really give the hard sell. I believe Royal uses the same vendor, and it's not as pushy. That is interesting. It's been a bit. It's been a minute since I've been on a Royal ship. I'm trying to fix that. And um, I don't remember if I've ever, I think I did tour the spa, but I don't remember how pushy they were. I will have to put that to the test. But again, I don't think I would buy the services on either one or on Norwegian or any of them. For me personally, it's not worth it. But, uh, but you know, for some people it might be. So, okay, Terry. And Terry says, no spa for us. We would like to spend our money on something more substantial, like beer. <laughs> <laughs> Any of the spa options are at least half the price at home. Exactly, Terry. So if you want, or on in port, I think somebody talks about that down here too, you can get good deals. Now, one exception you might find is if you go to the spa on days at port, sometimes they will run a sale and you can get a better deal, but it's still probably going to be more expensive than what you'd pay at home. But if you really want that massage, because look, you're on a cruise ship. So, you know, part of the reason that that price is high is because of the location. Like when I'm at work and I buy my Coke Zero, I sometimes buy it out of a vending machine and I'm paying like 75 cents for a bottle of Coke Zero or something. Or I can go to Publix and buy like, a 12 pack for $4. So obviously I'm paying more, but I'm paying for that convenience and for it being right there. You got to kind of look at it that way. And then you just got to decide if it's worth it for me. It's not, but for somebody else, it could be. John says, did the spa once got acupuncture for my back? Nothing. Back still sucks. John, I'm not a big, um, believer in acupuncture. Um, I, I know some people say it helps them, I don't I don't know. I'm not convinced at the science by it, but if it helps you out there, I know what John said it didn't help him, then I guess go for it. Does probably doesn't hurt. But yeah, I, I totally would not pay for acupuncture, no matter if it was free. Then Trixie said, massages are heavenly. At least that's been her experience. So quiet and tranquil, but very pricey. So she's had good massage that's the dog shaking. She's had good massage experiences but they're they're costly on the last cruise finally tried a shoreside massage at Chankana, which i think she went on my recommendation and it was not as private or tranquil it's not dark you can hear the world around you there was a, a very little there was a little sand but um it was a quarter of the onboard price and she enjoyed hearing the birds and feeling the breeze so she has two cruises booked at the moment and no spa treatments booked in the cruise planner. Might just hold out for another shoreside treatment. So that's interesting. That's an interesting idea. I've never thought of like doing doing the massage off the ship. I know I've seen them offered at Chunkanob and quite a few other places too. I don't know. They I always feel like it'd be weird because they're not super private, like she said, and, and I feel like people be staring at me and I don't know I don't know how I feel about that 
That's a good point. <laughs> I guess it depends on how well this diet goes. Like if good. I'm like yeah. if I'm at my my full uh, self. <laughs> no, I'd still be self conscious. Okay, what's next? <laughs> anyway, Richard. Richard said, "I believe that the question has confused folks just a bit." For example, there are spa balconies and spa interiors on some carnival ships. These give you access to the thermal suite. However, there are spa packages, which include facials, massages, manicures, and the like. We really like the spa suite and find it relaxing. However, the spa spa packages we get on shore. I think you're right, Richard. I think maybe I should have worded that a little bit more specifically, especially if people haven't done those things. They may confuse the two. Um, I, I would agree with you though. I think we're on the same page. The spa packages that include the massages and stuff. Those are not my cup of tea, although I do like a good cup of tea, but the thermal suites are awesome. Like, so for example, um, on the horizon, that's an eight day crew, eight night cruise. And, um, we priced out just a regular interior cabin and then we priced out the spa cabin, which is also an interior cabin. So it's not the spa balcony. And how much more was it per person for the entire cruise? I think it was about 60 more per person. Yeah, so 60 bucks, that's less than $10 a day. And you have access to this area, which is really, really cool. Now, uh, we looked at a couple other cruises just to compare. And those spa rooms were sometimes a little bit more like we found a six night on the horizon and the difference was about $110 but that's still not bad considering they limit the number of people that they allow to get that package so you really have the spa to yourself like uh, on the carnival breeze which is a very crowded ship and that spa package was probably maxed out it still was I mean it was a little more crowded but it wasn't like you couldn't get in there and do things. So uh, that's definitely an advantage. Now, Brian says, big fan of the thermal suite on Norwegian. Sea days, it is crowded, but on port days, they get the run of the place. It's a great place for a dip in the pool or the hot tub. They love the relaxation room after a nice soak. Don't partake of any of the other spa services. I'm seeing a pattern here. Are you seeing a pattern? I am, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sure that the cruise lines are aware that people that cruise a lot probably are are seeing the value in the thermal suite and the non-value in the spa packages. Uh, for some people, you know, money might not be an object. They don't care or maybe it's worth it to them. But I, I think that the, the most common response we're getting is kind of going on that same line where the thermal packages are worth it, but the other things maybe not. Case in point, Cindy says the thermal pool is amazing. <laughs> and then Nancy, that's all good old nurse Nancy there. Spa therapy, pool rooms, the best way to relax after a day at port. I'm in one right now. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, Nancy, let me say thank you for coming over to the fantastic cruising community while you are on a ship. Secondly, let me say... <laughs> For being on a ship, and I'm not on the ship. I just spit all over Kimbra. Sure Sorry Thank about you. that. <laughs> but uh, only teasing. We love Nurse Nancy, and uh, yeah, uh, she's doing the she's doing the therapy stuff. I guess I don't know. If she's just in like the pool or the rooms, or if she was actually getting a massage or something. But 
you know what? She looks like she's having some fun either way. So, so really, it just comes down to what you're looking for, I think. Now, Jennifer, who had the, the pet bill, uh, did mention that on the Nor- Norwegian breakaway, it was like 199 per person for the week. So that's a lot more. I mean, that's a kind of a game changer. Like $110 for six nights is kind of probably at the max for me. And it depends on um, like how many sea days and stuff that they're going to be. What what are the ports? You know, $60. You can't beat that. And I've gotten other deals like that where it's like you just can't pass it up. I think when you're getting close to $200, it's just going to depend on how much you really enjoy that because then now you're talking about four hundred dollars for two people and that's that's getting up there in price but but i think the takeaway is that if you haven't tried the thermal spa check the prices if you can get a deal on one i would strongly recommend you to try it out and uh, at the very least if you do one of those high pressure sales things don't buy anything unless you want it but um but go through and you know look at look at the area, the thermal suite area, and just see what amenities they have and think about whether that's something you would enjoy. Because what you won't get is you won't get a group of kids sitting in the hot tub. You won't get a bunch of drunk people in the hot tub, like partying down. Like it's going to be a relaxing experience and a little more intimate. Now it does usually close though at like nine or 10. It probably, I'm sure that's dependent on the ship. There may be some exceptions to that. But listen, if I know we got a lot of, of feedback on spas. If you want to add to this conversation, you can find that post over on the Fantastic Cruising community. Or if you just have a whole lot to say, you can also share an email with us, fantasticcruising at gmail.com. What is that sound? That, Matt is the Puerto Rican cookie or common cookie. Can we eat cookies on our diet? Like, I like oatmeal cookies. I was actually thinking to have an ice-cold cookie with my meal. Ooh, I like to dip my cookies in milk, but I know you don't like that. No, I don't like that. I Like I said, I want a cookie for dinner. A cookie for dinner? Yeah. Like, what do you, what, what, like a... Just... An ice-cold cokey. Oh, I get it. A cokey, like a Coca-Cola. Yeah. <laughs> I see where you're going there. But that's not what we're talking about, right? We're talking about a frog. That's right. Hello, frog. Tell us about the frog. So the cokey is actually from Puerto Rico, and they've kind of become the unofficial symbol of Puerto Rico. I want that as the unofficial symbol of Florida. Let's make it the, uno- frog. the unofficial symbol of... Fantastic Studios. <laughs> we already have a dolphin, though. Well, that's, that's the official. That's for Fantastic Cruising. Oh, fantastic. This is the Fantastic Studio recording space. Oh, maybe it should be a frog. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, so it's a small frog. Males get about uh, just over an inch or so, and females get it just over about an inch and a half. So they're bigger. <laughs> yes. The females are bigger. <laughs> Usually, in most animals, females are bigger because they got to carry all them eggs. Yes. Yeah. So they're kind of a brown or grayish brown color. And sometimes they have like a yellow or green kind of coloration in them as well. We pulled up some pictures and they do look 
quite adorable. They are super cute. They got big bulgy eyes. Bulgy frog eyes. I mean, frogs are adorable in general, but these guys are... I could see why the Puerto Rican people are kind of, you know, they like them. I can see the attraction there. They're, they're a cute little frog. Now, why are they called Cokies? So their scientific name is... I'm going to butcher it, so I'm going to let you say it. It is Eleutherodactylus cokey, which means free toes. Which, free toes? Yeah. You want some free like, toes? That's what I was going to say. <laughs> I actually don't like Fritos very much. You don't like Fritos? No. What's wrong with you? They're corn chips. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, anyway, they are called Fritos because they lack the webbing between their toes that most frogs have, and they have these little discs on their toes, and those discs help them to stick to things like leaves and trees and windows. Because so they're good little climbers, or little arboreal frogs, and that that live all throughout Puerto Rico. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, now these frogs, they make that sound, but there's more to it than just the sound. Like it's they don't just make a sound at random. Like they literally make a specific sound, right? And it has some meaning to it? Yeah, so they make the cokey sound. Could so you just do an example of that? Cokey, cokey. <laughs> so that's actually the sound that the male makes. Um, and they make that to call over the ladies and tell the dudes to back off. Oh, I have some sounds like that. Do, I, do you? Yeah. It doesn't ever work. But anyway... <laughs> Go, moving on, so they're calling over the females, and that's, of course, for the, you know, bow, chicka, bow, bow. And let's talk a little bit about frog sex. That sounds like a sticky situation. Oh, it is a, oh, I could make this joke, but I can't until I tell you guys about it. So I was going to say a, a complexus situation. But here, here's the thing about being a frog. In most of the frogs in the world... They have external fertilization, which just doesn't sound any fun at all. It's called amplexus. Get it? Complexus, amplexus. I get it. It was a stretch. But anyway, this is how frog sex usually works. The female finds a shallow pool of water, lays her eggs. The male holds on to her back. And when the eggs come out, he then fertilizes them after they've been laid in the water. And then the fertilized eggs develop into tadpoles, and the tadpoles develop into frogs, and the circle of life continues. That is not how the cokies do it. <laughs> do it. <laughs> anyway, they have internal fertilization. That's the fun way for the rest of the animal kingdom. And so that's important because these guys actually lay their eggs on land, which is quite a feat for a frog because frog eggs are usually very water-soluble. Now, they do need to stay a little bit wet, but they lay them on like a leaf or something, and they've got a little bit more of protection from the elements. And they're in there for a while, up to like 26 days or so. And during this time, they are actually going through the majority of their metamorphosis. So metamorphosis, fancy word, means to change. This is what happens when the caterpillar turns into the butterfly, when the tadpole turns into the frog. We call that metamorphosis. In the case of the koki, they do their metamorphosis in the egg, and when they hatch, they get a little egg tooth, like a little baby alligator, to cut through the egg because it's a little thicker. And then they come out, they have a little bitty nub tail, kind of like Reno the dog, who's been very disruptive tonight. And... Uh, <laughs> And that, that tail quickly is absorbed into the body, and you have, voila, 
your baby Koki. Koki, Koki. Koki, Koki. <laughs> now, Kokis are doing quite well on the whole in Puerto Rico, which is good because around the world, frogs have taken quite a big hit as far as uh, their populations go. Um, they are having some possible issues with this weird fungus that is killing a certain percentage of the population and biologists, environmentalists are kind of keeping a close eye out on this fungus, but they're actually an invasive species in Hawaii. They are considered a pest. They've, they've been introduced over there. And so their loud call, which is sort of looked at as a pleasurable sound in Puerto Rico is looked at as an obnoxious sound in Hawaii, but you know, they don't, they're not from Hawaii, so they're like, they don't understand the language. If they, The Puerto Rican people are like, I know what they're saying, right? So the Koki is, is pretty cool, but I wanted to just touch upon this. So when we talk about amphibians like frogs, especially, we have a special word that we use to describe them, and that is usually an indicator species. Now, indicator species are important to conservation, and they're important to you and me because they tell us a lot about our environment. So, you know, you're driving down the, the road, and a light comes on that says oil in your car. What does that mean? It means you need to get an oil change. Exactly. Well, or that your car is actually low on oil. That is an indicator light, and it's indicating to you that there's a problem. Now, you have a couple of choices. You can go and put oil in your car, probably get the oil changed. Or you can ignore it and just keep driving. If you choose option two, what is likely to happen? Your car will break. Yes, and it will break probably very badly if you drive around without <laughs> oil. That will kill engines. So indicator species are animals that are more sensitive, or plants, that are more sensitive to pollution. And so scientists watch these species very closely and they monitor them because if those populations start to have problems, they're the first ones. And with frogs, it's usually they're more susceptible because they have very permeable skin. They Their eggs are usually in the sunlight. They are in the water. They're in the soil. There's a lot that can go wrong for these little guys. And so if we start to notice problems with these indicator species, we know there's something wrong in our environment. And we can either try and find out what it is and fix it or we can ignore it and just see what happens. And if things break, that's when it starts to impact humans. So frogs are really important to us for many reasons. They also eat a lot of pests and things like that. They're also a food source for animals, but they can also tell us a lot about the health of our environment. And if even if you don't like frogs, if we choose to ignore that, it could come back to bite us. So they're, they're an indicator of the health of the areas where we live. That's really cool. I didn't know that. Yes. So so the Koki is a pretty special animal. The next time you are in Puerto Rico, listen, if you're there at night, listen for the Koki at night. They make a really this really loud Koki sound. All right, well we chose the Koki as the cruise creature well, I should say, by we, I mean you chose the Koki as a cruise creature because it is your birthday, and so happy birthday. And, yeah, I'm getting you a cruise creature for your birthday. It's a Koki. You're getting me a frog for my birthday? Well, I mean, I'm just talking about the Koki for your birthday. It's the cruise creature of the week. 
Okay, so I just get to listen to you talk about my one of my favorite animals. Yes. Well, let's do that for everything. Instead of getting you gifts, I'm just going to talk about things you like. Eh. <laughs> no, that's not true. In fact, for your birthday, and like I said, when this comes out, if you listen right when it comes out or the day after, we're going to be in St. Augustine, Florida, celebrating your birthday. It's not a cruise. But it is a fun little trip. We're going to stay at a bed and breakfast. And we're going to do a lot of really fun, cool things, including, let's see, what do we got on our list here to do? What are you looking the most forward to? Uh, I think I'm looking forward to the Sunset Cruise. <laughs> so it is a cruise. <laughs> it is a cruise. Well, now, let's let's be clear. This is a small vessel, a boat, literally a boat that just cruises around the, the water there. And uh, we're going to do the Sunset one. Should be a lot of fun. Um, what else are you looking forward to? Um, I think the Pirate Museum is going to be really cool. R the Pirate. I-R-I-C-A-B-R-D. Are we going to do that? Yes, we are. Um, so, the, yeah, the Pirate Museum looks really cool. And we're going to check that out and see what that is like. Also, the Wax Museum. Yeah, That's Potter's Wax Museum. Potter's Wax Museum. To see all of my Potter friends. Harry Potter. Hello, Harry Potter. What spell turned you into wax, Harry? No? Okay. No. Maybe, uh, all right. A- anyway, uh, what, what else? We're going to do, um, we're going to maybe, maybe we're going to do a chocolate factory tour. Mm. We might do that. We are... Almost definitely going to do a winery tour. Absolutely. What is it? The St. Albans? No, San Sebastian. San Sebastian. I don't know where I'm getting this Albans stuff. San Sebastian Winery. But I'm looking forward to the St. Augustine Distillery where they make bourbon and gin. So I'll drink all the wine and you drink all the bourbon. One scotch and one beer. Sorry, that's just a song I know. Anyway, and then, of course... We are going to the happiest place on earth, the St. Augustine Alligator Farm, where I get to see Makara, the three-year-old Gariel. We're going somewhere for my birthday so Matt can go to his favorite place. That's right. See how that works? Makara. I've seen Makara. Let's see. I saw him last year, and I saw him the year before that. So last year he was two, and the year before that he was one. But no matter how old he is, he's always so adorable. Baby Gary Old. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Anyway, we're also going to go by the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum. Yep. Forgot about that one. Yeah, so it's going to be pretty fun. And shopping. And shopping. And shopping. They have a really cool hat store there. I'm going to get some hats for your birthday. Yeah. So you don't have to see my bald head. Good. Oh, man. That's it, though, right? That's all we're doing? No, we're going to do a ghost tour. Ooh, yes. St. Augustine is a good place to do a good place to do a ghost tour. So why are you talking like a vampire? I don't know, because it's October. Ooh. 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 Hey, you know what? It is October, and speaking of ghosts, we're going to do a special Halloween episode. Yep. And we're looking for you guys out there to send us some creepy stories at fantasticcruising at gmail.com. So send us an email 
your creepy stories. If they are um, nautical, that's preferred, but they don't have to be. And uh, as long as they're, you know, safe to read on the podcast, we will we will do that. Probably we'll read. Depends on how many we get, but we will try and share some of those creepy stories as part of the Halloween, the first Halloween episode of Fantastic Cruising. Yes, make sure you send them by email so that you know we can read them instead of putting them like on Facebook or something so that everybody can see them because we want to make sure to add them as part of our special Halloween episode. Yeah, no spoilers. Don't don't spoil them on Facebook. I mean, you can. If you want to, you can do that. But then we probably won't read it because then everybody will have already seen it. Right. And the suspense will be gone. You must have suspense when you talk about the ghost. Did I go doing Dracula again on a ghost? I don't know what I'm doing anymore. Anyway, yeah, Halloween episode. Look for it at the end of this month. Now, speaking of emails, we did get one from Josh B. Now, Josh B. actually sent me an email with the Cruise Geeks quite a while back, and I didn't know the answer for sure. He was wanting to know about doing Wi-Fi calling from the Carnival Vista. Well, I didn't have an answer for him, but he has an answer for me, which I really appreciate. Thank you so much. Basically, he said that he can report that, yes, so far... uh, Wi-Fi calling works on the Carnival Vista and Royal Caribbean Liberty of the Sea. So I think he's trying on both of those ships. This means that if you have an internet package in any tier above social networking, you should also be able to put your phone in airplane mode, activate the ship internet, and then use your phone exactly as if you were on land with no roaming charges. That's pretty cool. You can make and receive calls, send texts, etc. That is what he was successfully able to do on both ships. A caveat, he says, you have to have a phone, an operating system, and a cell carrier that do support Wi-Fi calling. But all modern smartphones, he points out, uh, that he's aware of have that feature. I think you're right, as far as I know. And he can confirm that uh, AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, consumer cellular, he's done some research, and track phone support that feature. Another caveat, he says you will need to or you'll want to enable Wi-Fi calling before you get on the ship. That doesn't mean you have to use Wi-Fi calling before you get on the ship, but you have to have it enabled beforehand. That's a good thing to know. And then it said ask your cellular provider for help with this process. In terms of the call quality, there is definitely a lag of a second, which is not surprising considering the call is going from a satellite-based internet connection to a cell network. True. But otherwise, it works quite well and is quite usable. That is really good to know. I would expect that Wi-Fi calling, he says, would work fleet-wide on both Carnival and Royal Caribbean ships, probably on other ships too, I I would say, most likely. The latter is not surprising given their Voom internet service, that Royal Caribbean has Voom, and, and Carnival's newer ships have really good internet too. I can vouch for that. But I would expect it to hold true for Carnival as well, yep. Certainly neither company is blocking Wi-Fi calling so far that he has experienced. Josh, that is super, super helpful, and I bet a lot of people could really take advantage of that. Thank you so much. So Josh actually wasn't done there. He also had some stuff to say about our episode from last week, so things to do in Cozumel. He has uh, actually been to Playa Mia a couple times, which is one of those places that we said we hadn't been to and didn't know much about. He's been there, um, said it's 
a great place for families with kids. He said they've got a water park with slides, kid-friendly pools, a beach with one of those inflatable jungle gyms out in the ocean, watercraft, plentiful buffet food and drinks, including alcohol, all for one admission, about $60 for adults and $35 for kids. You never run out of space. He says that it's the best in the Caribbean that he can recommend. He definitely thinks that Playa Mia is like top for families to go with kids, especially. Cool. So that's good to know because, you know, we'd like to say we've been everywhere and I'd like to go everywhere in the Caribbean, but obviously that's not physically possible. So it's that's why we like to hear input from from listeners out there. Let us know your experiences so that we can report those to the rest of everybody listening to this podcast and so we can learn ourselves. This sounds like it's a really good place to go. It sounds like it's got all the perks of a Mr. Sancho's, but it's also kid-friendly. So, you know, if you have children and you're like, I want to get my drink on, but I also have little Junior over here, maybe this is your your answer. However, be safe with the kids if you're drinking, please, especially in the water. Yeah, he actually, he also posted a link um, of some pictures. I think it was a TripAdvisor link um, with some pictures of some of the stuff that he talked about and it looks pretty cool it did in fact I, one of my questions i was going to have for him was how is the snorkeling because you know that's the kind of thing i ask and i didn't have to because there were pictures of snorkeling on the TripAdvisor link and it looked like it was decent it, i don't know if it was amazing but it looked good enough there was some structures underwater it looked like a replica of like a mayan ruin or something and i saw some fish and the water looked clear so probably decent snorkeling maybe really good snorkeling if you know the answer to that let me know fantastic cruising at gmail.com all right so i noticed that there's a new camera in town it's the gopro hero black go eight hero eight black hero it's the gopro hero eight black <laughs> anyway, it's the newest GoPro, and of course, a lot of people love GoPro, and GoPros are good for, for vlogging and stuff, but one of the big advantages is that they are waterproof, and it got me thinking. I, I was looking at the the cameras a little bit today online. I think it's released on Halloween, actually. Yep. But anyway, um, I was looking at it and it just got me thinking about filming fish. I did win a Cruzy Award for my underwater footage, so I feel like I have a little bit to contribute. I, I am by no means a professional videographer, but I do play one on YouTube. So I just wanted to take a little bit of time. I thought I'd give you guys some tips and tricks that I've learned about filming fish, videoing fish, and other sea creatures. Kimber, you've filmed some fish in your day, right? I have. I've seen some of your footage. It's pretty good. It was done on my phone. It was done on your phone? A waterproof phone or a phone in a bag? It was a lifeproof case. Okay. So, yeah. So a special housing for your phone. Yeah. And so whether you're shooting video on your phone in a case or a GoPro or if you're like me and you like the, the Sony FDRX 3000, whatever you're using, there are some tips that can help you out regardless of what type of camera it is. And I want to share some of those with you now. So here's the first thing that I would say when filming fish. Getting a steady shot is extra challenging in the water. 
it's extra challenging because you not only have to deal with the normal human movement that you have. You know, if you're on land and you're taking a video, you're probably going to have a hard time standing totally still. Your arms are moving. Maybe you're shaking a little bit, something like that. When you're in the water, the water is moving you, physically moving you. And so not only are you worrying about yourself moving, you're worrying about the water moving you. So staying really, really still is very, very important. So what I recommend to do is to try and hold on to your camera at two points. What I like to use, I have a special little uh, camera holder that I use or, or a camera, I guess you'd call it like a like a, a handle and it's got two handles on it with a bar in the middle and the camera just screws right onto the center of that. And it's, it's a little rig I have and it works really, really well. It gives me two points of contact, allows me to be a little bit more steady and that can help. But the reality is you're still going to be moved around by the water. So how do you counter that? Well, the, the best way you can do that, and this isn't always possible, but the best way you can do that is to find something to hold on to that's not moving. So what would that be? Well, it's if it's coral, please don't grab that and hold on to it. One, you're going to cut yourself. Two, you're going to kill the coral. So don't do that. But you might be able to find something else. Maybe there is a rock that doesn't have anything living on it. Maybe there is part of a, a dock, a stairwell, anything that's out there, a pole, I don't know whether it be a pole, maybe a buoy, be careful because there are things that grow on stuff in the ocean that do get sharp and can cut you. But if you can find something to hold on to, maybe your wife or husband is standing there and you can just hold on to them. It's going to help you to sort of steady that shot. One of the things I like to do, because I like to swim underwater, if I've got my weights with me, is I'll swim down and I'll just sit on the bottom and I'll literally rest the camera on the bottom because the bottom's not going to be moving around. If it is, then something's gone really wrong and that's another problem. But anyway, rest your camera on something, hold on to something, try and get that stillness and it's going to increase the, the quality. Now there are stabilizers and cameras these days that help with this a little bit, but they're not going to help 100%. You need to do most of that work yourself if you can. It's not always possible, but try and do that. Here's another bit of advice that I think really can help when you're taking those underwater videos. If you are videoing something on land, usually if I'm say I'm filming a, a bumblebee or something in a flower, because that's the sort of thing I do. I want to stay on that bumblebee for, you know, maybe a few seconds and then kind of move away from it. I often find myself staying longer than I need to when I'm focused on something on land. And when I look at the video footage later, I'm like, well, this is great. I've got more than I need. That's not a bad thing. When you are filming something underwater, whenever you think you should be done, just double that because you want to stay on that for a longer time. I don't know why it works this way, but for me, I have noticed that when I think I've focused on a fish and filmed it for a really nice long time, and then I go back and watch that footage, I always am like, man, why didn't I stay on this fish for another like five seconds? I always try and double it, triple it, quadruple it. I can always cut off the, the beginning or the end of the video, but I can't make it longer unless I put it into slow motion. And that's not really what I want to do most of the time. So make sure you're focused on that 
animal or that thing you're filming for a longer time. And here's another little bit of advice. You want to kind of stay focused on something and just kind of relax and, and video it because that way if you do get a little bit of wave action, you might lose that footage. But also, there's been plenty of occasions when I was calmly watching something and something really cool happens. And if you are filming for longer periods of time, the odds of you catching that, whatever it is, are much greater. One of my biggest regrets is I was at Coco Cay before they did all the revitalization, and I was in the water, and I had just turned my camera off to conserve battery, and I was watching this barracuda, and this barracuda just like suddenly took off and went after a fish, and it was like a bolt of lightning. And if I had just kept my camera on for a little bit longer, I would have captured it. It would have been awesome footage, but I didn't, and I lost all of it. So learn from my mistakes. That's another thing you can do to kind of help your underwater video skills. Now here's something you can do sort of on the camera end of things. Depending on what camera you're using, you have to contend with the fact that water is going to turn your pictures different colors. And what I mean by that is the light goes in the water and it starts to filter out color as soon as it starts to enter the water. The deeper you go, the worse it gets. That's why everything looks blue when you're underwater. Some of the first colors to go are things like reds. Somebody actually posted on the Fantastic Cruising community a really cool thing where some people took some different colored, I don't know if they were little pipes or what they were, and they, they took a picture of them like on the surface and then at depth so you could see how the colors all become sort of muddy. Well, you can sort of combat that a little bit by using filters. Now, if you have a Sony FDRX 3000, which is the camera that I prefer to use for underwater videoing, it actually has some sort of Sony technology magic that just does this for you and it works better than any post-production things I've found. It works remarkably well. But if you have a GoPro, now I don't know what the 8 does, I haven't looked at this part yet, but the other GoPros, you have to physically put a filter on there. And it's going to be like a red filter or a magenta filter, kind of depending on how deep you are. And then if you're in fresh water, that's more green or ocean water, that's more blue. And it's going to help bring back some of that color because it's adding that sort of red hue back into things. The problem is then as soon as you bring your camera up and face it towards the sun, even if it's still underwater, the world looks pink. And that's probably not the look you're going for. So those filters work really well, but if you're using one, forget about trying to film up or out of the water until you pop that filter off. But I would still maybe recommend using it in, in the water. Now, if you're in really clear water and you're only filming pretty much at the surface or within the first few feet, it's probably not going to matter. But if you're filming stuff that's a little bit deeper, like 5, 10 feet or deeper, that's when you're going to want to use one of those filters. So there's just a couple little bits of advice for filming fish underwater. There's a lot more I could talk about, but uh, we'll save that for another episode. If this was helpful, though, let me know. Go over on the Fantastic Cruising community or shoot me an email, fantasticcruising at gmail.com, and let me know. What are your tips and techniques for videoing or have you used any of these techniques and have they been helpful? Well, Matt, I think it is about time to wrap up this episode. You're just saying that because you can't wait to get celebrating your birthday. Well, that and 
it's time for Inktober drawing. We haven't done our drawing for oh, today. Oh, yes. Today's drawing, when we're recording this, is what? Sea Witch Potion. Yeah. See that potion. See, See the other potion. Sea Witch Potion. Yeah, I got it. Oh, wait. Wrong, witch. Wrong witch. Like, <laughs> my pretty. Yep, that one. All right, everyone. Until next time, see you on the ship side. And have a fantastic day. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday dear Kimbra, happy birthday to you. Today is your birthday, it's not my birthday too, yeah, cookie.